Welcome to a new podcast here at the News Gazette. I'm News Gazette Sports Editor Matt Daniels, joined by our versatile, do-everything writer, Colin Likas. We're going to start hosting Inside Illini Football. So this is episode one, so welcome, Colin. Welcome, everybody. It's uh, it's good to get this going. We've had Inside Illini Basketball for how many episodes? 120? 132 was recorded earlier Wow, 132. We've got a ways to catch up to them. (laughs) We're going to record one a day for the next seven (laughs) months, roughly. Uh, I don't think think we're going to do that. (laughs) Uh, The the plan is to have this just be a weekly, weekly podcast, most likely on... On Mondays, and we'll adjust. Uh, you know, once the twenty twenty one season kicks off here in about eight months or so, uh, with all the the media uh, responsibilities that uh, usually falls on a on a mm-hmm. Monday. But I uh, just wanted to kind of bring this new multimedia experience to our listeners. Uh, you know, good time with Colin taking over the beat, and obviously Brett Bielma and. In town now for a little more than what two and a half weeks he's been on the job. Yeah, probably? since December nineteenth, uh, the, the finale like against Penn ago. State. Right. Yep. Nobody remembers the actual game from that <laughs> night, really, partially because it was so crazy. But yeah, um, Brett Bielema has gotten to make several first impressions with media, with fans, with uh, coaching groups, with his players, with his uh, well now kind of new slash former coaching staff that's still getting filled out a little bit uh yeah it's been it's been interesting to see how people have reacted to to brett bielema's new head coach and i think it's been overwhelmingly positive so far which can only be good for an illinois football program that's seeking its first winning season since 2011 well uh just to give our listeners a little background as as well uh Callan, you've been on the beat for about six weeks or so but mm-hmm. you've been here at the news exec for for quite some time uh filling our our listeners on on everything you've done here at the News Gazette. Sure, yeah, I started here as a copy editor in 2014, and uh, was uh, had a brief hiatus in 2017. Came back as a writer. And we like I, to yeah, call that your quarter life crisis. My quarter life crisis. Let's hope. Um, yeah, what, and, you uh, lived in what three places in like five months? That's right. Yeah, yeah, three. <laughs> pl- yeah, yeah, that's about right. But uh, eventually ended up back in uh, Champaign, writing about high school sports, and uh, that that had gone swimmingly, of course, until. Uh, this school year, uh, with the COVID nineteen pandemic, yep, the the IHSA ago. has kind of taken its own route, separate from uh, many of the other states around it. So we haven't had a ton of high school sports to cover. We did have some in the fall, but we knew once winter started, there was a good chance there weren't going to be any to cover, and that has so far proven to be true. So hop on the Illinois football beat, and they uh, they won the first two games that I was uh, part of the beat for so Nebraska and Rutgers. Charm. Yeah, I thought I was, and then the <laughs> Ohio State game got postponed, and then they didn't win the last three games. So, um, But, I mean, there's positive energy around the program, like I said before, so maybe that's something I somehow caused in some cosmic way. I mean, just think, Colin, you've been on the beat almost two months, and you've already had to cover a coaching change. <laughs> didn't take long. I remember when uh, John Gross was let go as the men's coach, mm-hmm. men's basketball coach, and Tim Beckman and Bill Cubitt being let go, and... I worked those on the copy desk, and it was definitely a lot different experience. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's always interesting when you you have your first coach firing and then hiring uh, as a beat writer. That's definitely a different side and an angle to see that that from. Well, I, I like I've repeated this often, so if you've you've heard this before, my apologies. But my daughter Sawyer, she's uh, she's five and a half, and mm-hmm. before her first birthday, she had experienced three Illinois football coaches <laughs> with Tim Beckman, Bill Cubitt, and. And Lovey Smith, and, and for those that don't know, uh, I've been with the News Gazette since 2013. Uh, covered Illinois football for four seasons: the final two of Tim Beckman era, then the the one season with Bill Cubitt as the interim coach, and then the first season of the the Lovey Smith era. And 
been sports editor here since so January 2015 or so and um, but Colin's done a, a great job in, in all of his coverages and uh, with high school sports and, and now focusing in on on the Illini and uh, you've been one of the the lucky few people in Champaign-Urbana that's actually gotten to meet Brett mm-hmm. Bielma. Uh, you were there outside the Smith Center the day after he was hired right. on on December 20th a Sunday got a chance to meet him briefly then and then mm-hmm. um you had to go through the whole protocol, <laughs> COVID nineteen protocol, get tested, and just hang out at the Memorial Stadium press box mm-hmm. the day the, uh, the day of his introductory press conference, which was held via Zoom. Right. While he was in the Smith Center, you guys <laughs> were up in uh, the seventh floor of Memorial Stadium. But you did get a chance to meet with him afterwards. I guess what's been your what's been your first impression so far of of just how he's handled everything that's been thrown his way here these last few weeks? Sure. Yeah, and that whole experience uh, at Memorial Stadium was certainly interesting. Uh, I didn't get a lot of chances to go in Memorial Stadium as a beat writer this year. I got one, ultimately. <laughs> uh, Ohio State would have been two, but mm-hmm. that, that didn't happen, and the schedule was built in such a way that I didn't get a lot of experiences, so even being in a, an empty Memorial Stadium was kind of cool. But yeah, I mean, I think Brett Bielema has said all the right things and done all the right things so far. I can't really find an area where he's misstepped necessarily when it comes to um, uh, talking with the, the right people, talking with the people who need to be conferred with as a new head coach, and uh, just really making his athletes feel comfortable, not only the ones who are guaranteed to be returning as underclassmen, unless they want to transfer, I suppose, mm-hmm. uh, but also those seniors who had to make that difficult decision that we'll talk a little bit more about, I think, later on, just about the, those seniors trying to decide whether they want to utilize that extra year of eligibility offered by the NCAA because of the pandemic. And I think uh, the way Brett Bielema has handled especially that situation has kind of shown uh, him in a positive light so far because his, his athletes, both the ones who have decided to stay and the ones who have decided to go, have spoke glowingly about just the way he talked with them uh, on that first day and then individually uh, in the days following. And then when he talked to us, when he talked to myself and Bob Osmussen and Lauren Tate, uh, very gracious with us and, and all of our questions. And it was just like very conversational. It didn't feel like we were asking him questions and he was providing answers. It felt like we were just in a room having a, a short conversation between events or something like that. It, it didn't feel like a, a Q&A necessarily. And I think that's uh, that's a good sign for him with the media, uh, certainly. And it seems like fans so far, uh, although I know on social media there was some you know, negative rumbling at the beginning, as there would be with any head coaching hire, ultimately. There's never, there's never any negative conversations <laughs> on social media. Challenge. Yeah, but, I mean, he, uh, I think he's starting to turn people around with uh, some, of his, some of his coaching hires, his assistant coaching hires, Tony Peterson. Uh, I think Bart Miller, especially, his offensive line coach, has been one who's really stuck out to people and, and kind of helped paint uh, Brett Bielema in an even more positive light for his coaching decisions. And then Tank Wright, the new strength and conditioning coach, who was announced just last night. So, yeah, first impressions of Brett Bielema, positive. Uh, obviously, wins and losses are a big deal. First year, you usually give coaches a little more leeway because you got to go through the whole recruiting rigmarole and you're trying to bring in a whole staff and things like that. But, I, I mean, ultimately for this offseason, um, yeah, I think he's building a lot of goodwill, which you, you could really use for, as I said, a team that has not won in quite a few years. Yeah, and we'll get into some of those, those staff hirings, and I think he's devoting a, he's building a coaching staff that's going to win uh, an all-name team, possibly, mm. with, with some yeah. of the, the coaching hires he's made so far in his, his brief time at Illinois. But let's go back to the... The week that transpired after Lovey Smith was mm-hmm. fired uh, on Sunday, December 13th, and 
uh, I think it was a little bit of a surprise move uh, just because I don't think a lot of people thought Josh Whitman, Illinois' athletic director, would pull the, the plug mm-hmm. on, on Smith after five seasons, especially given mm-hmm. the, the circumstances we're all living with with the pandemic. But then, uh, as has been Whitman's case throughout his time at Illinois, he, he fires someone and then really right mm-hmm. away makes a, a quick quick transition. And six days later, you know, Brett Bielma is there and uh, sent out a – press release at 8 in the morning, so all that day's college football conversation was kind of Illinois was in the mix there mm-hmm. on, on the final day of the the regular season. I guess just what was your takeaway from that that whirlwind six-day experience for you and <laughs> dealing with the, the firing of Lovey Smith and then all the speculation about who the next coach would be and mm-hmm. then obviously the, the ultimate decision with uh, with bringing Bielema to Champaign. I'd just say uh, even though we traffic in speculation as, as <laughs> people in, in sports media especially, I, I am not a huge fan of just everybody throwing names at a wall and seeing what happens. I would rather just know, so I appreciate Josh Whitman for <laughs> getting that done in a timely manner just for my sanity. But, yeah, as far as the whirlwind goes, I, I don't think it was like 100% expected, like you said, that Lovey Smith would be let go. But the way Josh Whitman described it to us was, uh, you know, he had decided officially after the Iowa game. He he ultimately didn't like what he, what he saw there. I don't think the Northwestern game really helped at all, even though the injuries and the, yeah. the positive COVID-19 test uh, issues were kind of piling up at that point as well um and i think it's something we we've talked about maybe a little bit i don't know if it's really been talked about out loud all that much but just also lovey smith not attending that illinois high school football coaches mm-hmm. association clinic i think was kind of a, another straw maybe a slightly small smaller straw that mm-hmm. broke the camel's back in this regard uh but yeah the way josh Whitman pared it down was didn't get enough wins so let's uh Let's go find somebody who can get us more wins, essentially. And I think the the timing of it, even though it may have been a little bit of a surprise that Josh Whitman pulled the plug, it didn't feel like he was going to. It felt like he was just constantly going to support Lovey until, mm-hmm. as, in his own words, he couldn't support him anymore. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought. There. I think that just kind of sums <laughs> up, though, what what Josh Whitman has has done throughout his time. I mean, he really started mm-hmm. his Illinois kind of. This is a hyperbole, I guess, mm-hmm. but his his legacy was built on the hiring of, of Lovey Smith. Yeah, sure. I mean, he, he hired mm-hmm. him and fired Bill Kiebit in the span of 48 hours mm-hmm. early on in his tenure, and, and I think a lot of people thought he would just kind of ride out with see how the Lovey Smith experience would go. And, sure. and I think when COVID hit and the pandemic struck and college football mm-hmm. was com- forever altered in 2020, uh, I think a lot of people were uh, expecting Lovey Smith to still be the Illinois football coach in, in 2021. And just like you've taken over the beat here these last couple months, you also – went to a place in Illinois I don't think you envisioned going right. uh, at, at all but you made the trek to Prophetstown yeah, right. uh, you know a day after Bielema was officially hired uh, you got to go to his hometown you got to meet with his parents meet with a bunch of his former teammates just kind of get the the lay of the land in a, a small community like we he have so many throughout here uh, you know in, in the Champaign area what were your kind of takeaways from your time in, in Prophetstown and, and mm-hmm. your conversations with, you know, key people close to, to Brett Bielema? Yeah, a very positive experience going to Prophetstown, I think, as Brett kind of hinted uh, in conversations off to the side when I brought up this story idea with him uh, on that mm-hmm. Monday at Memorial Stadium that, uh, you know, people are very kind in Prophetstown. They're, they're very accommodating, very helpful, and that's what I found the entire time there. Um, uh, most of all, Brett's parents. How'd, that, uh, how'd you set that up? Yeah, um, she basically just got a phone number and <laughs> made a phone call. It was that simple somehow. Sometimes it is that simple. It's not always that simple. Yeah. But, you know, when uh, 
uh, you have two people who are as nice as Arnie and Marilyn were, Arnie and Marilyn Bielema. Uh, they were very accommodating to me. Let me take pictures of all different kinds of stuff from the, mm-hmm. the Wisconsin and Arkansas tenures that, that uh, Brett Bielema had gifted to them that they still had around. Uh, and then just got to go around the town. And, uh, you know, it, I think I was told there used to be a sign saying Brett Bielema, Big Ten Conference mm-hmm. champion with Wisconsin. I couldn't manage to find that street sign anywhere. <laughs> it might have gone into storage once he got hired at Arkansas. But uh, you can just uh, you can just tell they're proud of him over there. There was uh, the, the flag I spotted atop a Conoco gas station there. They have two gas stations in Prophetstown. One of them had a New York Giants flag on top of it, which probably sticks out like a sore thumb in <laughs> northwest Illinois if you have no idea the backdrop. Uh, but that Brett Bielema, of course, had been an assistant on the New York Giants staff. And uh, the man who owns this Conoco gas station has changed the flag routinely since Brett Bielema became Wisconsin's head coach back in 2006 just to represent wherever Brett Bielema is coaching at that given time. And I think that kind of sums it up for you. It's a, it's a small town that uh, it's a, it's technically closer to Iowa, the mm-hmm. University of Iowa, than it is to the University of Illinois. It creates a bit of a split among the, the fans there uh, with football, basketball, things like that. But they're just very proud of Brett Bielema. And it's a very humble upbringing, and he's built himself self up to this point where he's now taking on another FBS job and uh, something I think he's kind of desired for a while growing up a, as an Illinois fan. And his parents still live in Prophetstown. To right. me, that is one of the more fascinating aspects of this is the fact that after all the mm-hmm. success their their son has had, and they have a big family too, he's got yes. a lot of brothers and sisters, but... Mm-hmm. Why do they still live in profits though? Yeah, I, I, I mean, they farmed out there. The family yeah. did. Uh, hog farmers until about 1990. And then uh, Brett's dad, Arnie, went into ba- back into sales, from mm-hmm. what I understand. Helped sell football helmets, actually, kind of like school to school. But he operated mostly in Iowa because mm-hmm. they're right next to the border. And I think it's just maybe a, a sense of comfort and family for them. They moved there when Brett was about four years old from the Quad Cities. And they've just never left. And uh, the house that they're in now, the, the that his parents are in now, Brett helped put them up in. Mm-hmm. And uh, they don't live on the farm anymore. Okay. And uh, they're not. Brett, they're not getting out there with the hogs. Or no. And and Brett's dad, Arnie, told me, please, please don't go by the farm. It's not really in good shape anymore. <laughs> the people who own it, and he didn't want to, you know, get into that whole us taking a picture of a farm yeah. and then and then people thinking that they mm, run a yeah. poorly kept farm, basically. But but I'm sure yeah. for them it was kind of an early Christmas present. Oh, yeah. Their, their son's returning to their home state and, and to lead the, the flagship university and, and try to try to get Illinois football kind of back on track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you could tell they're very proud as parents. And uh, I, I think the way Arnie described it to me, he was texting Brett about uh, – the Giants offense needing to step up the game to compete <laughs> with the, the Giants defense, mm-hmm. which Brett Bielema, of course, worked for. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, uh, Arnie sees that the Illinois job comes open, and then that kind of coincides with Brett's phone blowing up with like 40-some text messages <laughs> from people. And, yeah, it's uh, I think the family is very proud of it. I think they'll be uh, even happier when they can actually get out here and mm-hmm. kind of visit because that was something that Brett got very emotional about during his initial press conferences that his parents couldn't physically be there right. to because of the pandemic, obviously. Exactly. Uh, so whenever, you know, some or all the family can get in the stadium and uh, you can kind of bring that full circle, I guess, that'll be a nice, nice little moment.
All right, well, let's dive into the, the staff he's assembled so far. Yep. And uh, he's still got quite a bit of hiring left oh, to yeah. do. Uh, he's still got eight assistant coaching spots to, to fill out. But he has hired two assistant coaches on the field. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the first one was Tony Peterson. Uh, last Monday night was announced. And uh, an interesting hire, uh, a very veteran college uh, football assistant coach. And then about... 12, 14 hours later, mm-hmm. uh, hired a, another assistant offensive line coach, Bart Miller, mm-hmm. who uh, has ties with Bielema, coached with him before at, at Wisconsin. And then on Sunday night, um, some would argue maybe the m- most important hire a, a college football coach can make, and, mm-hmm. and that's in their strength and conditioning coach. And right. uh, he certainly got the name right for uh, <laughs> the the new strength coach, and that's Tank Wright. Tank Wright. And, uh, I know you've had a chance Colin, to talk to all three of those guys on, mm-hmm. on Zoom calls. But um, just give me your initial impressions of, of the hiring of Tony Peterson as offensive coordinator and then Miller as offensive line coach and, and the latest one with, with Tank Wright as the strength and conditioning coach. Yeah, uh, Tony Peterson, obviously people are, you know, b- very much wondering about the direction of the offense here. Mm-hmm. The offense clearly struggled during Rod Smith's last season, averaging barely 20 points mm-hmm. per game. It didn't help that there were – Four and eventually do span to get to play some. So eventually we had five quarterbacks playing at one point during the season. Certainly that doesn't help. But by the same token, it, it fell pretty precipitously from the heights of Rod Smith's start of his three-year tenure. So I think people were definitely waiting with bated breath to see especially who the offensive coordinator was. Tony Peterson isn't the, the splashiest name mm-hmm. by any means, but I mean, what he was doing at Appalachian State can't really be ignored. Uh, and some might say, you know, it's a mid-major or whatever. Well, uh, a lot of guys started. Very yeah. few people start at, you know, the top. They don't mm-hmm. start at Alabama and, and, and just had, go off. He's had Power <laughs> 5 coaching experience before. Exactly. Coaching the Big Ten at Minnesota yeah. for, for eight yep. seasons under Glenn Mason. And that's how he and Brett kind of got together because they, 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 those are guys who had never had any connections. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brett Bielema and Bart Miller, Brett Bielema and Tank Wright, they had some past connections that we'll get into. But these two had never coached together, so people were wondering, how did these two connect? Well, they were recruited together, like down mm-hmm. in Florida and places like that. So, yeah, I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's a good hire. Tony Peterson definitely, uh, and I'll say this about all of his assistants so far, they've all said the right things. Mm-hmm. There are ways you can uh, immediately get fans to turn on you through an opening <laughs> press conference, and none of these three guys have done that so far. In fact, I think they've endeared themselves even more to people who are wondering maybe who, who they are. Um, so need to watch a little bit more of Appalachian State's uh, offensive uh, mm-hmm. offensive workings to understand just what Tony Peterson is bringing to the table here. But those teams did not struggle to score points, I can tell you that much. So yeah, were, and, and Peterson <laughs> brings a, a varied background to uh, Illinois mm-hmm. just with his, his different coaching stints. He was mm-hmm. a former quarterback at Marshall in, yep. in the late 1980s and then spent some time with the Thundering Herd as an assistant there and then moved on to Minnesota and then after his time at Minnesota ended when Glenn Mason got fired up in Minneapolis had a bunch of different stops Mm -hmm. uh, throughout Illinois is actually his fourth school in the last four seasons he was at East Carolina as the OC from 2016 to 18 was let go when when Scotty Montgomery the the Pirates coach down there got fired and then spent the 2019 season as an analyst at Missouri Mm -hmm. moved on after Barry Odom was fired at Missouri and then went to Appalachian State which is uh, proven track record of success most notably in 1AA FCS but then since they've made the move to FBS in the last decade or so has been one of the best teams in the Sun mm-hmm. Belt and yep. had a great rushing offense but he's also had some mm-hmm. teams that have uh, you know thrown the ball quite a bit and also too side note he he was the offensive coordinator at Louisiana Tech when Louisiana Tech beat Illinois in the 2014 <laughs> uh, Heart yep. of Dallas Bowl so yep. he's been pretty much at every stop you could take in, in FBS football and even spent a season at South Dakota uh, after time at Iowa State as well. So he's got a wide range of 
of skill sets and, and pass mm-hmm. coaching stops to, to really kind of mold this Illinois offense. And I think that's going to be the biggest question mm-hmm. for fans is what is this Illinois offense really going to look like? Exactly. And uh, you mentioned the rushing side of things. I think Appalachian State was averaging somewhere in the neighborhood of 250 rush yards mm-hmm. per game. Uh, this most recent season, but like you said, he worked with guys that Marshall. He worked with quarterbacks like Byron Leftwich and Chad Pennington, mm-hmm. who eventually made it to the NFL. And to to that point, he can uh, he, well maybe not he, but Brett Bielema convinced Brandon Peters to stick around for mm-hmm. another year. And uh, I, I'm I'm guessing Peters probably feels pretty comfortable knowing that he's going to have a quarterbacks coach slash offensive coordinator who worked with some NFL guys, mm-hmm. as well as Brett Bielema who's worked with many yeah. NFL guys himself. So, yeah, I'm curious to see how that offense pans out. Uh, Brett Bielema's always kind of been known as kind of a run-first type mm-hmm. of guy. I think Bart Miller is the offensive line coach also. Kind of a uh, his offensive... You got fired up after listening to him. Right his, his offensive lines definitely help out run games based on the statistics I've seen. <laughs> his offensive lines are built to, to create holes mm-hmm. in, the, in the defensive line and in the the early secondary so uh kind of getting off track here i was trying to segue into bart miller a little <laughs> bit but yeah i am curious to see how tony peterson's offense looks in his first year well, and, and you know based on on the what we've know so far on on who is coming back for illinois mm-hmm. it certainly would have to help the illinois offense in mm-hmm. 2021 with three starters on the offensive line coming back and doug kramer at center mm-hmm. uh, vidarian low at mm-hmm. left tackle and alex kocheski at, at right tackle All right Losing Kendrick Green, who declared early for the, the NFL draft, I think is is a is a bit of a hit for the Illini to take. But you also have guys like Virgis Brown, who started mm-hmm. at right guard last year, coming back. Jordan Slaughter was in the mix for that spot before last season as well. So mm-hmm. they do have veterans returning, and you'd have to think Mike Epstein will come back. Chase mm-hmm. Brown, who uh, I think arguably morphed into the top running back for Illinois in, in 2020, mm-hmm. he's yeah. coming back, and it, almost at times just based on all the changes that Illinois had to go through this past season on offense with the different quarterbacks and injuries and players being out and COVID protocols and things like that. I don't think they ever really got fully comfortable in the offense. So I'll be curious to see Mm -hmm. who does emerge from that quarterback competition. Cause you have to think it's going to be, it's going to be between Brandon Peters and Isaiah Williams going into next season. Maybe Cran Taylor has an outside shot, but whatever it is, again, Based on what we know from Bielema's college experience at Wisconsin and Arkansas, it's going to be a a run-first approach in the Mm -hmm. pass game with the play action and some rollouts is going to really kind of complement that that run game. Yep, exactly. And, uh, yeah, that quarterback question obviously is a huge one. Brandon Peters talked a lot about how he knows he's going to have to win this job. And Isaiah Williams obviously turned a lot of heads in a positive way uh, through various points of last season. It didn't always result in wins, but it certainly was some exciting football and some productive football at times. So, uh, yeah, and like Brandon Peters said, he doesn't know if maybe Brett Bielema wants to bring a transfer in or somebody mm-hmm. to challenge these guys for the job as well. I'm very curious to see what Mike Epstein does. Uh, we were told uh, earlier today that somebody else is going to be announcing their return here soon for a, uh, a conference call tomorrow afternoon. So maybe that's Mike Epstein. Maybe that's somebody on the defensive line. Uh, there's there's a few different spots where that could be because Illinois had, what, 33 seniors this year, mm-hmm. and we've gotten through like a third of them with, with decisions. <laughs> so far that have officially been announced so uh yeah uh curious to i think mike epstein's return uh definitely will be an interesting talking point for this offense in the in the near future anyway well and then uh on offense they've lost josh matator Bebe and mm-hmm, kendrick right. green both declared uh for the nfl draft and it's a unique situation because matator Bebe in a normal year he just would have been done with his eligibility right. but because of the pandemic the NCAA granted everyone a year extra year of eligibility right lose jake hansen uh 
arguably the top defensive player the last few seasons for Illinois. Yeah. Uh, Nate Hobbs declared on, on Saturday he's not coming back either. Am I missing anyone that said they're oh, not coming Oh, let's see. Back? Nate Hobbs, Milo uh, Eifler. Uh, Milo Eifler, that's yep. right. That, that was the last one. Yep, that was the last one so far. But yep. good news. All three specialists are returning. Yeah, and you had the chance to talk to all. Yeah, three that's fun. That's a fun. Uh, that's a fun <laughs> one. Uh, Ethan Table, the long snapper, announced his return a little sooner mm-hmm. because he all, he was also announcing that he had torn the ACL in his right knee and had surgery on it. Um, he tore it during the first punt of the third quarter against Iowa, which means he played pretty much half of one game and then two full games on a torn ACL after that. So All that's right. pretty insane, uh, no matter what position you're playing in football. And he mentioned he can't even crouch right now. That's pretty important <laughs> for snapping, uh, to be able to crouch. Yeah. So that's uh, pretty job Yeah, pretty insane. But then, yeah, uh, over the last 48 hours or so, we found out that James McCourt, the starting kicker, and Blake Hayes, the starting punter, both sticking around. And, I mean, some people might just kind of brush that aside as, you know, specialists. But Illinois specialists have been some of their best players for the last several years Which i don't know <laughs> if that's a good thing uh, not necessarily <laughs> but you know if you improve the rest of the team around them then obviously that becomes very nice to have mm-hmm. super reliable uh kicking team and snapping team and guys like that blake hayes his production dipped a little bit in 2020 but mm. i mean he was doing so well in 2019 that it's hard to see how it could have gone even further upward although i'm sure he would have liked it to james mccourt been pretty steady struggles a little bit from deep distance mm-hmm. but he and uh, blake griffin or uh, caleb, caleb griffin, griffin uh form a pretty potent uh one-two combo at kicker there and caleb uh, griffin will forgive you for comparing yeah i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure his basketball and, skills to, to blake griffin i'm sure and then ethan table i mean long snappers get overlooked almost as much as offensive linemen. That's but really you, they want it, though. Yeah, yeah. That's you oh, never really want to get true. mentioned if you're No, a usually player. that means you chuck the ball over somebody's <laughs> head. Usually it's not a good thing. Well, so. It's safe to say that Blake Hayes is going to obliterate every punting record in Illinois history. Certainly <laughs> rushing for, for a punter. <laughs> I, would, I would tend to think 37 yards uh, this true. most recent season on two rushes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good to have those guys back in the fold, if not only because consistency is something that you could kind of cherish mm-hmm. when you're moving from one coaching staff to another, and obviously some things do have to change. Yeah. But when you can keep around a steady unit like that, I think that's important to this team. Well, recruiting never stops in in college football. Uh, Colin, I'm sure you're getting more uh, attuned to that phrase yes. every hour, every day that uh, that happens. No no commitments have happened so far in the nope. Bielma era. I know he's extended some offers out. We have four offers extended since at he... At least publicly that, that yeah, we know of right. that, that uh, athletes have put out there at all. But I think he... The first day that he was introduced on December 19th, I mm-hmm. think he really kind of resonated with a lot of people yep. because, let's be frank, in-state recruiting under Lovey Smith had tailed off significantly mm-hmm. in the last couple seasons. And right. um, him reaching out to Mark Grounds, the, the head coach at Jacksonville High School, who's also the president of the Illinois Football Coaches, uh, High School Football Coaches Association, which has their annual clinic when, you know, life is normal in Champaign. <laughs> right. I think Illinois releasing a video of him talking to – to high school coaches like that, I think really kind of struck people well the first day, made a good first impression. Now, that being said, you have to follow that up with action. And mm-hmm. um, Bielma's the latest Illinois coach to come into to Champaign to try to try to win the state and lock down the state, which is frankly impossible because sure. every college program is recruiting mm-hmm. in the state of Illinois, particularly in the Chicagoland area. But right. I think he, of recent hires that always made, he's got – 
I'd say arguably the best chance to really kind of hone in and, and get in-state kids to want to come play for the Illini? He knows the state well, certainly. He's recruited it several times over with different programs, whether that be as an assistant at Iowa, as an assistant with Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's very familiar with this state, and you know he, he's been consistent in his message so far where he said, we're going to have one assistant coach assigned to each of these sectors, basically, that I... Maybe, maybe they'll do it by COVID regions like the IDPH. <laughs> um, different sectors of the state, basically. And, I, I mean, when you keep reiterating that and reiterating that, it drills into people's head that, okay, he's not just saying this one time and then he's going to forget about it like 10 minutes later. Uh, I, I think that's a really good sign. Him talking to the coaches, which we've mentioned before, is a good sign. Uh, one thing I think worth pointing out, some people, if they go and look at those four offers that have been officially extended to guys since he's shown up, I think three of them are out of state. Two are from Florida and one's mm-hmm. from Missouri off the top of my head, I believe. It's <laughs> The in-state recruiting offers will come. It, I think this first year is going to be especially difficult in that regard. No football has been played here yes. in the last little while. It's been played in Florida. It's been played mm-hmm. in all these surrounding states. I, I would not be surprised to see the bulk of these early offers come from kids who are not in the state of Illinois. Mm-hmm. There's no ta- recent tape to show anybody. Yeah. But uh, I still don't think that means that he's not going to recruit in state. I just think it might it might take a little time, which is not what people necessarily want to hear. But I think the pandemic has kind of caused that to be a reality. You kind of focus in on the guys that were already being focused in on, whether by Illinois or by the guys coming in from other staffs. Mm-hmm. And then from there, once we start to get high school football back in the state, then you can really start to recruit in this state because you actually have r- fresh tape on these kids. Well, and it's interesting, too, because Bielema and his staff, like every other college football staff, every other college coaching staff in the country right now is mm-hmm. faced with mm-hmm. historic efforts in terms of recruiting because they can't go out and recruit that's been the case since the pandemic started the, mm-hmm. the and, your, and your roster size is in flux too you could have yes. like what 110 mm-hmm. scholarship kids i mean you got kids there's kids who want to come in and play right away mm-hmm. i mean a lot of kids want to do that and you it's harder than ever to guarantee that they're going to be able to do that yeah and, and Beal and staff can't go out and recruit that the dead period's in place until at least mid-april right, right now and let's hope it, it that's the end of it let's hope, can only hope. hopefully uh, you know vaccines roll out and things kind of get somewhat back to the way they were in the world we used to know. <laughs> but, right. uh, yeah, recruiting, is it never stops. And, uh, you know, he seemed to have made a strong first impression on, mm-hmm. on coaches in the state. Now it's just, again, continually following up with that. You can win the, the day that you're announced, but you got to start winning some mm-hmm. some battles for kids, and that's going to be the, the, the test of time, and, and we'll see what happens. Well, we're going to wrap up here in, in a few minutes. Just wanted to get your quick take, Colin, on some of the bowl games that are going on. we got a Big Ten right. team. Playing for a national title next yes, we Monday do. night. Ohio State gets to try to stop the dynasty that Nick Saban's created <laughs> at Alabama. But uh, uh, Justin Fields put on quite a performance in, in the Sugar Bowl. He, cer- he certainly did. And I think the idea of billboard material has uh, never been more relevant <laughs> than it was leading up to that game. As a head coach, maybe don't rank your future opponent 11th yeah, uh, in, in an end-of-season poll. Yeah. Uh, if you and don't want him to the national semifinal, yeah, especially when if you, you don't want him to beat you by certain, it. you've claimed these are the four best teams in college football. Yeah, that's just not good. That's not a good idea. Yeah, Ohio State looks great. I mean, can they stop Alabama? That remains to be seen. Um, Alabama obviously is a juggernaut, but I mean, it's college football. Uh, anything can happen in this year, especially. That's accurate. I would hope it's a competitive game. I think it'll be a competitive game. I think it'll be a game worth watching. Um, am I willing to pick Ohio State as the winner? <laughs> not not immediately. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had uh, other Big Ten teams like Wisconsin. Uh, they won the Duke's Mayo Bowl. They beat uh, Wake Forest 42-28. Then they dropped the trophy in the locker yep, room. Yep, saw the that. Game, but, uh, 
got a win there. Uh, Indiana, much ballyhooed season for them. Then they lose to an SEC team that finished below or finished the regular season below 500, losing 26-20 to Mississippi in the Outback Bowl. All right. On Saturday, Northwestern, Pat Fitzgerald really turned the Wildcats around after a dismal 2019, which was mm-hmm. to be expected because that's pretty much all he's done in his tenure. Yep. Uh, they beat Auburn in the Citrus Bowl, and I know he's getting some potential – uh, NFL interviews yeah. maybe possibly coming up, so maybe Pat Fitzgerald no longer coaches at Northwestern. Who knows? That yeah. would be a boon for Illinois. <laughs> yeah, I would think so, based on the way things have gone in yeah, recent he's years. Dominated the series. Northwestern's won the the final six games. Yep. All right, Colin. Well, that was fun. We we made it through our debut episode. Hopefully, Ed Bond hit the record button on this, so we don't have to do it all over. <laughs> yeah, again, we uh, we'll, we'll we'll iron out some kinks moving forward. And if there's any content you mm-hmm. want us to touch on, especially, feel free to email us at sports at news gazette.com. We'll try to touch on those issues because uh, there will be there will come a time in the future where we won't be inundated with news about Illinois football. There will be a quiet time at some point, no, so we'll have no, to we'll have to find stuff to talk about. We'll have plenty of stuff to talk about. We'll <laughs> we'll be here every week discussing the Illini football program and more on on Inside Illini Football. Thanks for listening and uh, come back next week for episode two.